Hello, and welcome to this Red Monk Conversation. With me today are two leaders from Embrace.io, Andrew Tanal, VP and Head of Product and Product Marketing Manager, Verna Sakui. We have a lot of exciting territory to cover today, so let's jump in. Verna, can you tell me a little bit about Embrace and the problems that you solve? Yes, for sure. So Embrace is a data-driven tool set that helps mobile engineers build better experiences. Um, We've found that in the mobile space, especially engineers tend to deal with a lot of frustrations around um, resolving app performance issues and optimizing their end users' experiences, especially because mobile is such a unique development environment with a lot of different variables. Um, So what we do is we tackle that challenge by collecting data via our SDK and providing um, really critical mobile insights into that through our analytics dashboard. So we're going to be talking about an important study that you put on an embrace. And I'm curious a little bit about uh, what drove you to conduct this research and, uh, you know, why is mobile app development really a need of uh, of this sort of critical lens? Yeah. Um, well, mobile, I mean, you know, mobile's a pretty fundamental part of our daily lives now. Um, I mean, you communicate, work, shop, consume, entertainment um, over the internet, and mobile is really at the forefront of how people experience it. Um, and it's only becoming more and more important. I mean, uh, as we see um, shifts in people's consumption behaviors. And, um, you know, our experience was that providing a solution for companies to build better mobile apps has shown us that there's still a bunch of work that people have to do in terms of creating better experiences that really align with like the, the ever growing demands that their users have. Um, you know, their, their users expect apps to be really fast, really stable. Um, they are a lot less tolerant of like slow apps, spinners or bad experiences on mobile than they are in traditional web. I mean, I think I was trying to change a flight yesterday on a mobile app and, um, something was spinning for just a few seconds. And like in my head, I was like, it's broken and ended up force closing the app. And so um, we really wanted to understand kind of a variety of perspectives in the world. Like what, not only what are the perspectives of our customers, but what are the perspectives of end users and how do they contrast with what developers think about today so that they could, um, you know, we could, we could help our customers better align to kind of what shifting consumer expectations are. Yeah, that that was kind of what sparked us to do this research, and I can I can speak to the methodology um, about like how we kind of underwent uh, this study. Yeah, let's get into that. Yeah. Um, so basically, as as Andrew was saying, we really wanted to understand you know different perspectives, app users plus developers plus the kind of landscape of the industry in general, because we collect a lot of rich data just through our own product. Um, so. What we ended up doing was conducting a three-part study. So in the first part, we ran a nationally representative survey among about 900 mobile app users in the U.S. Um, So that gave us some really interesting insights. And then the second part, we actually pulled our own Embrace community of um, mobile developers and engineers um, across our customers who represent tons of different industries. So that was, again, also very insightful um, to kind of compare and contrast those. And then in the last part, we actually looked at all of our customers' app data in the aggregate and built sort of a ranking system um, to benchmark how different industries were doing and how they were performing across a few different key metrics like crash-free rates or um, you know incidences of 
high memory usage, et cetera, some of the critical things that we cover. So those were the, the ways that we extracted the data for this. First part of your research delves into perspectives from an app user. And you know, what are the, the findings from that particular demographic? Yeah, I, it validated a lot of what I think seems intuitive. Um, you know, just to like reflect my anecdote from earlier, you know, we found that kind of intuitively you think if something doesn't seem to be working on, I mean, we're all mobile app users at this day and age. So like, you know, if something doesn't appear to be working, it, it creates a lot of user frustration. Um, like we'll go through the specific numbers or, or, um, vertican. Um, but you know, like we found that user tolerance for delay, slow running parts of the app was, was not particularly strong. People who appeared to see the app running slowly, um, weren't, they didn't like it at all. And I mean, I think like that makes a lot of sense. I think the under, what's interesting is that the underlying causes aren't so abundantly clear. You know, if you think about the old game where a mobile app was really a reflection of your web experience and was kind of just a different form factor for communicating with a core set of services. Um, you know, I think the old observability game where it's like, I look at first party network requests to my core services kind of works. But I mean, mobile apps now like are pretty complex beasts. They're compiled code that live on your device. And people get frustrated with simple stuff like, you know, I'm trying to transition to another screen. It's doing an animation. It's super janky or it's trying to process through data that's locally stored and taking a long time. And so I think um, it was interesting to see our, I think the, the real users of apps kind of reflect what intuitively our own lived experiences are, but in terms of data, which is always helpful. Yeah. And just like to, I guess, add some, uh, like context to that data, we found that people in general are experiencing issues like all the time. So it's like you have the situation where the expectations that app users have right now are so high because we do everything on our mobile devices. We want things to be fast. We want them to be stable. You know, we're not willing to wait more than 30 seconds for a key flow to be done. So the expectations are really high, but then at the same time, we're dealing consistently with performance issues on for many people a daily basis like our data found that um you know two-thirds of app users said they were experiencing any of the sort of slew of issues on at least a weekly basis um which can include crashes or um slow startup or you know images or video just loading very slowly um, but almost half of people actually said that they deal with these types of issues daily so there is that situation where we have very high expectations, but apps aren't always meeting those expectations, which was sort of an interesting part of the research that we found. Yeah. And the other thing that was super interesting was just like the consequences, which I think, you know, ordinarily we always thought of, okay, a user has a bad experience or something doesn't work as designed. Maybe you miss the sale, but like apps are interesting in that like deleting the app off your phone is essentially just like deleting it from the internet, if you will, right? Like if it's something that you use as a primary conduit of interacting with that brand, the act of removing it from your device is essentially just removing your eyeballs entirely. And so you think about like, you know, marketing teams use push notifications as a mechanism to gain your attention in critical moments. If you don't have the app, you're not getting notifications. Um, 
And so, you know, I like, I think, again, it kind of reflects all of our lived experience, the, the kind of shortening level of patience, but also the consequences for like not doing the right things. If you, you don't build an experience that lives up to my expectations, that starts to reflect on your brand. And because that's how I interact with you, I eventually choose another one. Right. The stakes couldn't be higher. And 50% of users is a, it's a tremendous number. So I really suggest yeah. the importance of trying to, to lessen these uh, sort of annoyances that, that end users are having. Um, so I guess what I'm curious about is like, what tends to be the worst of the worst here? So uh, what are people the, the most frustrated by? Yeah, it's definitely crashes. Um, crashes are the worst of the worst for sure. Uh, the vast majority of people we talk to find them very frustrating and not tolerable, um, and would actually delete an app off their phone if it's you know crashing a handful of times, like it's kind of gone. Um, so that wasn't super surprising as that being the worst. But one of the interesting things we also found was that. Um, how some other common issues ranked in relation to other ones. So obviously crashes is like terrible, but one of the ones that wasn't as bad as we thought it would be was startup time. So slow startup wasn't seen to be as frustrating or as intolerable by users as when they can't like interact directly with the app. So if the buttons are unresponsive or the links are unresponsive or like the forms you can't fill in, those were found to be uh, much more frustrating than slow startup. Um, which is surprising because uh, working in the industry, like startup time tends to be one of those measures of performance that people are constantly trying to reach a certain uh, threshold of like acceptability um, when actually there might be other things that your users are getting frustrated about even more so. So that's a good segue into a topic that's near and dear to my heart, which would be um, you know developer experience and with the perspective of the the developers who are actually sort of um, you know creating these apps and maintaining them. Um, so you just said that there's some misinformation and misalignment uh, between developers and the end users. And so when it comes to addressing certain issues, um, this misalignment is something that we've you know definitely noticed at Redmonk and continue to follow very closely. And my colleague Stephen O'Grady um, has, has spoken about this in terms of the developer experience gap, uh, which you know just basically means that the, that there is a difficulty in piecing together all the tooling that's needed yeah. uh, for modern infrastructure. And that burden tends to fall on developers uh, disproportionately. Um, so I'm curious how Embrace is, is kind of taking all this information that they've gotten from, you know, that you have learned from this research, and you're grappling with the challenges that developers face um, in leveraging the, the increasingly complex tool sets um, and can you talk more about um, what you found in this research and, and how it addresses the developer experience uh, in particular? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think one of the interesting things uh, that I thought about with the startup data was the why. Um, and so, like, the why I think developers are super focused on it is because every app starts up and also the companies that publish apps into the marketplace tend to punish you if you have apps that exceed certain kind of like unknown thresholds in terms of startup time. And so it's a um, it's a known problem that people can build a tool for and address. I think what you highlighted, though, is the larger issue, which is like we all know that there are these unknown challenges. There's usability problems. There's feature problems. There's things going awry in the app that people can't um, necessarily identify. And honestly, it's a bit like a game of pin the tail on the donkey. It's like, 
how, you know, you get a, a ticket or you get a customer with a bad app store review. And then it's like, well, how do I want wander blindly through the desert? Like, you know, swing, swinging around, trying to find something that might be the root cause. And I mean, I, you know, I, I was never a B2C like app dev, but I did early in for most of my career, I did, you know, web, web apps in B2B world. And we would get tickets all the time that was like users experiencing XYZ, what's going on and the challenge to like recreate the issue or understand why people weren't completing a certain action was pretty monolithic. And, it, you know, it, to me, like I was, I was talking to actually another one of our product marketing managers about this earlier as we kind of think about our, our narrative and how we talk about what, you know, what our product vision is and what the company is and how we talk about it. And like the amount of toil that gets introduced to engineers becomes just like punishing for organizations. And it's, you know, I think like the old world where you had a few engineers working on your mobile app. And again, it was really just a different form factor for interacting with the web, which was where a majority of your users were. Um, that toil, while it stunk for the small handful of mobile engineers you had, wasn't like crippling for the organization because the critical roadmap wasn't on that team. But I mean, we've seen organizations over the past few years go from three engineers on one team to like 50 engineers across seven. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so when you start having 50 engineers experiencing a bunch of that toil, like the impacts on your roadmap and the ability to execute on it, the ability to, you know, have engineers feeling like they're highly successful and doing what they came there to do, which is probably not fishing, fixing crashes or hunting, you know, hunting through a bunch of random data, trying to find an answer so that they can keep, keep somebody happy. Um, that's not what they signed up for. And so, you know, I think the, the interesting thing for us is, you know, how do we shape a product strategy that hopefully over the long haul gives people more answers? Um, it lets the members of those builder teams, the product managers, designers, even marketing or business analytics and engineers use common data sets so that, you know, it's, it's less, uh, less pin the tail on the donkey more like how do we build stuff that really delivers an awesome experience for our users. I like that metaphor, uh, but I want to dig down a little bit uh, deeper into this developer perspective problem, uh, since there's a lot of insight uh, in your research that that really, you know, I, I guess uh, addresses the sort of issues that that, that they're um, you know seeing on a day to day basis. Uh, so when it comes to monitoring performance in general, not just around certain issues, uh, you know, what did you find that maybe surprised you that is going to to affect how developers uh, work? Yeah, I mean, again, like you know. It it validated some of our lived experience, which we spend all of our days talking to mobile engineers. So it's kind of like unsurprising, right? But we we found that like app performance generally as a category was super important. Um, what we didn't expect was that it was actually like their biggest concern right now, which was really interesting. Um, you know, I, I think we're we hear this a lot, which is like, we suspect there are things that aren't working as well as they should and are taking a long time. And we want to know why. And I mean, this is reflective of what they're probably seeing in app store reviews and their own customer feedback. And we saw in the, the actual user data that was um, shared with us that we, that we got as well. Um, Do you have an answer to that? Why is it? You know, I think like mobile devs are fundamentally creators. And so, you know, I think creators who signed up to build great experiences tend to be pretty clued in to their users' experience as opposed to, I think, 
viewing themselves as operators where they're just pushing the buttons of the machines. Like they're the, the people that consume their service, if you will, are actual human beings. I mean, that's whether you're a web dev or a mobile dev, like you signed up because the delight of an end user in the eyes when they walk through the app using it, when you see it in their hand in public is what like gets your, that gets you excited. Um, not necessarily seeing the line on the graph that shows, you know, P95 latency, um, which is just interesting, right? Like, I mean, P, like latency on endpoints is open, but it is important, but like the fact that users are irritated when they use your app, because things take a long time and they're not in love with it. That, that I think for a lot of mobile engineers, it's, um, something they're highly attentive to. Right. So. Android and iOS are very different platforms. Did you come across any major differences in what end users or developers mentioned when they uh, are, you know, speaking about that? You know, what in these particular operating systems? What are the, the sort of fundamental uh, differences that that came across uh, in your own data? Yeah, so we often just speak about the differences between Android and iOS because they're quite, you know, different platforms to build for. And everyone is always trying to, you know, equate the experiences if you have an app that goes across, um, you know, all different ecosystems. Um, and the research helped provide some kind of insight into that. So in general, we do see iOS apps perform better than Android apps. Um, so in the full version of the report, we actually ranked apps um, aggregated into industry categories based off of um, certain performance metrics, like I mentioned earlier. So, um, you know, crash free rates or, you know, rates of eating up, um, you know, memory. And we split some of these metrics up by Android versus iOS apps. Um, and in general, we did see that Android apps rank lower when it comes to these critical metrics um, versus iOS. Um, and then it's really interesting. Yeah, right. So there's a lot going on um, behind the scenes sort of with how Android versus iOS actually work under the hood. Um, and it, it does, it gets reflected in the data and it gets reflected in um, app users experiences as well. So um, like when we split our group between Android and iOS users, um, the Android users were complaining more frequently about slow startup versus iOS users. Um, and even Android devs were saying that they prioritize dealing with slow startup more. So um, you definitely do see some performance differences. Wow. And do you have a sense of why that could be? So the Android ecosystem is quite different than iOS because it's just so vast and so varied. Um, you have a lot of older devices out in the market, um, a lot of devices that are running on older versions of either, you know, the Android operating system or an older version of, you know, whatever app that you have out there. So there's not the same amount of consistency and control. Whereas, you know, with iOS, you have a much greater like amount of control as to what you can do and, you know, kind of standards and regulations. So, you know, with Android, obviously having a, you know, a broader kind of system to work with um, is it allows for a lot of freedom for devs who are building for it, but it comes with that risk of performance issues because things can be, you know, more spread out. Um, and that's sort of what we tend to see, you know, reflected in this type of data. An interesting thing about Android, though, I mean, you know, <laughs> there's obviously a ton of like risk, but there's also a ton of opportunity. I think if you look worldwide, like, you know, your average per capita income is substantially lower than it is in the United States. And so mm -hmm. like affording an iPhone is out of the question. Um, I mean, there are entire countries and continents where Android is 
99 plus percent of the the usage volume um and so like and you know many times it's older devices and that means that your your limitations that you have on what your app can do um are it, like the stakes are pretty high right you have to be ruthlessly efficient you can't be like hogging um resources but it's not like there's zero opportunity i mean there's literally billions of people who are unserved by the iphone market that you can tap into and there's ad dollars at play there's opportunity to you know surprise and delight them the same way there is in the united states it's just a wholly different group of people that you need to meet and the only way to really effectively do that is by understanding the impact that your app has um, on those different kind of cohorts of individuals Right, right. I guess, uh, you know, the talking about older mobile devices is a good segue to talking about the future of mobile development. Yeah. Did your findings reveal anything about where we're going to be going in the next 5, 10, 15 years? Yeah, I think we found what um, will surprise exactly nobody, which is <laughs> that everyone's like surprised. Uh, they, are, they are excited and probably simultaneously somewhat fearful of the future of AI. And um, I mean, I think there's opportunity across the board. I know there's opportunity for us when we think about AI kind of replicating what human beings doing dur do during the troubleshooting or like app performance analysis experience. But if you think about like um, consumer apps or, or really any app ecosystem, the ability to build like highly adaptive and more personal experiences through AI could never be greater. I mean, it, it just further creates this like, set of winners that I think like if they really harness the ability to build something that's differentiated will set themselves apart from the crowd, right? It becomes like, well, everyone does this, but this thing is magic. And, you know, I'm a big fan of like Lenny's growth podcast. I listen to that all the time. And, you know, I think a lot of product leaders get on that. And, and I'm a big believer in this too, which is like every great product, whether it's B2B or B2C to some element of magic. And the ability of AI to help us deliver magic that feels like incredibly personal to you um, is totally there. I mean, I think this is where the fear comes in, which is like, I mean, I've been at this game a long time. Like, I, I might look young, but I've been doing product management for almost 20 years in the tech space. And like, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in, in generative AI, like at all. Um, you know, and the internet's going to look a lot different in five years and 10 years. I mean, in 10 years, people who grew up using mobile apps probably will have a totally different set of expectations. And that means it's going to be a, a crazy couple of years as like the world adapts and expectations change. Right. As we're coming to the close of this uh, conversation, I'm curious about uh, hearing you summarize what you would say are the, the greatest takeaways, both from an app user and a developer perspective. What is what are the, the sort of main threads that we should keep in mind uh, based on the you know data that you uh, you've, you've uh, uh, shared with us? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. Um, you know, first, like it's worth really diving into what concerns users express versus on what like a, an industry standard or even a, a particular OS might enforce upon you. Um, you know, we see this, I think the, the burn on user expectations not being met versus um, not checking the box that like Apple or Google might, um, might make you check. It's longer, but it's probably more punishing overall because uh, if if people don't find that your app experience is great, eventually they'll uninstall the app. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's an area where like there's a lot of opportunity to, to really create better um, overall customer experiences. Um, I think that kind of turns into the second one, which is like poor user experience there. It has it has more lasting negative consequences for a business and brand. Um, because I can uninstall the app, like I've turned, I've essentially turned you off. And um, you know, I think a lot of developers realize this. This was reflected in the data we saw from software engineers who wanted to prioritize app performance. But I think decision makers, whether it's a product manager or an executive team, probably um, would be well served to recognize it as well. Um, and then I think the third one is interesting, which is like, you know, uh, we tend to get set in our ways and do a lot of things the same way we've always done them because, you know, uh, well, I've got nails and this hammer seems to work just fine, but it doesn't mean it's the best way to do it. And it doesn't mean it meets the needs long-term of, of what you're building. And so I think, you know, organizations are well-served to think about if they're really giving their engineering teams, the tool sets that they need. I mean, we talked about this at the very beginning, um, to actually get at the answers as opposed to, um, you know, just, just kind of checking the boxes as they exist today. All right. I want to thank Andrew and Verna for joining me today. If you would like to check out the report for yourself, you can find it on the embrace.io website. Uh, and I will also link to it, uh, in the show notes. Thanks, Kate. Uh, thanks, Kate.